The information shared in this podcast does not necessarily represent EVRMA's stance. These podcasts are not a substitute for consultation with a physician. Hi, welcome to Fertilipod, a podcast by EVRMA. Dr. Andres Ritz. Welcome back to Fertilipod, the podcast where we discuss current topics and the latest research in the field of reproduction with some of the world's leading experts. Let's get started. In today's episode, we're reviewing a very widespread problem, obesity and how it affects fertility and IVF. To discuss this topic, we've invited Dr. Julia Kim. Dr. Kim is currently a third-year fellow at the Thomas Jefferson University Reproductive Medicine Associates of New Jersey REI Fellowship. Dr. Kim, thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about some, some general statistics and how widespread is obesity in general and in particular in the population that we're interested in. Right. So I think it'll probably come, uh, come as a surprise to nobody that obesity is a huge problem you know, around the globe, as well as especially here in the U.S., and specifically um, as that pertains to reproductive endocrinologists and the, the infertility population, it actually is found that over half of reproductive aged women in the US are either overweight or obese. And unfortunately, that statistic um, has continuously risen for the past several years and continues to be on an upward trend. That is, like you said, surprising to nobody, but at the same time, it is a, it's kind of baffling when you put it with the number, right? When you say more than half are overweight yeah. or obese, it's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. It's, more, it's more normal than being normal. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and unfortunately. Right. Um, it, in terms of obesity and how it relates to fertility, is it associated specifically with infertility itself, or is it more of a risk factor for other things that can then pose a risk to fertility? So uh, it's a great question, and it's actually a little bit of both. Um, So on the female side, obesity is a risk factor for infertility and also poor um, obstetric outcomes. So it's been noted um, and uh, reported by the ASRM that there's an increased risk um, of miscarriages if you are obese as well as oftentimes uh, patients have difficulty conceiving. Now, part of that um, is because obesity is often very closely linked with PCOS, polycystic ovary, ovarian syndrome. And uh, PCOS, of course, confers longer cycle lengths, irregular um, menses, and that you know, may of course uh, affect a couple's um, fertility, cause hormonal um, imbalances that may make it much more difficult to conceive. But even when you take away um, the PCOS patients, the the obese patients um, in and of themselves have a greater difficulty, um, you know, achieving live birth um, and have an increased risk of loss. 
of course, aside from the women, um, you know, men who are obese, that also appears to be a risk factor for male infertility. Um, and that is thought to be due to the fact that, you know, there are, are hormonal imbalances as well on the male side um, in men who are obese. And additionally, um, you know, the increased uh, obesity, especially truncal obesity in men is thought to maybe increase uh, scrotal temperatures that may um, affect sperm production. So it affects both the risk for infertility and of course for poor obstetric outcomes. And interestingly, like you're saying, both in male and female, it can, it can have its own effects. Mm -hmm. In terms of the of the infertility treatments themselves, um, once once we establish somebody is infertile and they happen to be obese, um, what effects does obesity have on those infertility treatment outcomes? So that is sort of what we tried to um, get at with the ABC study that we'll be discussing today. But in terms of um, you know what other studies have looked at in the past, you know. There have been um, reports that obese patients, you know, require more medications um, compared to normal weight patients um, when they're undergoing ovulation induction or, or IVF. Um, and of course, you know, with that, uh, with increased dose of medications, that also increases oftentimes the cost of a cycle. Um, and that, you know, in addition, um, there has also been report that uh, IVF treatments may be less successful in um, in the obese or overweight population. Right, and so let's talk about this this trial that you're mentioning. You this was recently published in the Journal of Assisted Reproduction and Genetics um, earlier this year in August, I believe. Um, the title of your paper was "The Appraisal of Body Content Trial (ABC Trial) Obesity Does Not Significantly Impact Gamete Production in Infertile Men and Women." Um, Tell us a little bit about about this study. What what was the the goal of it, and and how did it go? Yeah, so this is something that I was very interested in. Um, I have a background in public health, and I was really curious about kind of the intersection between um, a public health issue such as obesity, as well as um, with and how that coincides with infertility. So to um, look at this accurately, we really wanted to get a sense of how is obesity impacting um, the IVF population. Now, a lot of studies that have been done um, historically have been retrospective studies, um, which those are uh, often, you know, when they're done retrospectively may not um, be as rigorous. And a lot of these studies um, only measured obesity by BMI um, or body mass index. Um, which is obviously very easy to calculate if you have a patient's height and weight. Um, but the issue with BMI is that it can be prone to error. So um, as you and I uh, know, BMI holds men and women effectively to the same standard, and it may underestimate um, adiposity in certain patients who have more uh, adipose tissue. So this is like your, what I think people colloquially call like skinny fat or like the couch potato type population. And it may overestimate um, obesity in patients who have a lot more like lean muscle mass, which is like high performance athletes. Um, so we thought, well, maybe BMI is sort of not accurately classifying risk. Maybe is there a better way to gauge like who is actually impacted by this true, you know, uh, increased obesity. So to do that, we, um, decided to try and measure adiposity 
with a bioelectric impedance analysis scale, um, also called BIA. And that essentially looks at water content in various tissues. Um, it's a scale that we had patients and their male partners, um, you know, step on as they were going through IVF um, so that we could measure their percentage of body fat. So um, this was a prospective cohort study and we looked at um, a little over 2000 couples. So this is both men and women. Um, and then we looked at cycle outcomes. Now in this first paper that you mentioned, the one that was um, recently published in JARG, we specifically wanted to look at kind of get gametogenesis. Um, and we broke this down because we wanted to look at all of the outcomes on the male and female side before um, you know, the sperm effectively meets the egg in the embryology laboratory because um, we felt like that was the cleanest way to do it. And then we have a, a subsequent um, paper that we just submitted kind of looking at everything that happens after, you know, post-fertilization, blastocyst development um, and pregnancy outcomes. But in this first paper, just to keep it clean, we wanted to look at you know, the male um, outcomes separate from the female um, outcomes, and then also look at how the women responded to um, in vitro medication stimulation. Very, very, very interesting. And what were what were your results? I mean, it, I, I like the idea of doing of measuring adiposity instead of BMI. Obviously, it has a lot of, like you said, it's very prone to error, and it doesn't quite account for what that weight is made of. What was the what were some of the results that you that you found? So we found that in general. Um, that obesity on the female side did not have a dramatic impact in terms of you know, effect on ovarian reserve. It, we did find that women who were classified as obese based on um, percentage of body fat as well as BMI appeared to have a, day, a lower day three um, serum FSH level. Um, but then when we limited this analysis um, to just uh, women without a diagnosis of PCOS. Um, the women who were obese also appeared to have a slightly lower um, serum AMH level, um, but obesity did not um, affect, uh, you know, uh, how many oocytes a woman had retrieved um, at time of retrieval. And it also didn't affect um, the number of mature oocytes um, that they had um, as well. On the male side, um, it was found that men who had um, an obese percentage body fat had a slightly but significantly lower total modal sperm count compared to normal weight um, men or men with a normal percentage of body fat. But the difference, um, you know, we're still talking in the many, many millions, even in obese men. So if you're undergoing IVF, it would be unlikely to have um, a significant impact. Um, however, you know, that being said, if, if you're a couple that is not doing IVF, then, you know, that potentially could, could affect um, results. Right. So you did find essentially some changes as, as would be expected, of course, in, in women who are obese, but that didn't quite affect the, the final outcome, so to speak, in terms of uh, oocyte and sperm yield after that. Mm -hmm. Aside from, aside from your, primary outcome, which was, of course, to look at those at those results. Um, you also commented on the relationship between BMI and percentage body fat in your paper and when they did not correlate, what percentage of patients that happened in. What, what did you learn from your study that you can share with us of the relationship between those two ways of measuring obesity? Right. Um, so, you know, we 
thought kind of at the outset of this study that, you know, there might be these patients who were kind of being misclassified into mm -hmm. a higher or a lower risk category um, based on their BMI alone. So um, we kind of refer to these patients as like mismatch groups, if you will. So you have patients who, you know, may be called overweight um, or obese by BMI, but when you look at their percentage body fat, they actually have a normal percentage body fat. And similarly, you may also have patients that have a normal BMI, but when you look at percentage of body fat, um, you know, they may actually have an increased percentage um, of, of body fat. So we look to see if these patients that were sort of in these mismatch groups um, sort of had a higher or a lower kind of risk uh, score compared to patients who were like kind of correctly um, classified um, by BMI. And in women, it was noted that there was not a huge difference in, in mismatch groups um, of, you know, be uh, percentage body fat versus BMI. Um, in men, it appeared that the, the male mismatch groups, um, you know, those who were um, uh, called as having an overweight BMI, but a normal percentage body fat, maybe had slightly um, improved uh, outcomes compared to correctly categorized um, BMI patients, but uh, it didn't actually make a huge difference. So what this tells us, I think, is that, you know, while BMI we think of as being a very like generalized kind of metric, it actually is a pretty good um, evaluation for uh, for these definitions of being overweight and, and obese. So, so there's in general a big correlation and you think it's a, it's a good characterization, but I think of course when you're doing it for a study and you're really trying to see, to tease out, then we should probably use something more specific is what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Yes. Fair enough. Now, tell us a little bit about I, I. You caught me by surprise with this new paper that you're that you <laughs> that you submitted. Tell us a little bit about it, whatever you can you can share with us. Yeah, absolutely. So all of these patients, because this was per, uh, prospectively recorded, um, we after they went through their initial stimulation, we then looked at you know all of the outcomes that come after. So we looked at fertilization rates, blastocyst formation rates. And then of course, ongoing pregnancy rates and um, you know, miscarriage rates. And then once these patients ultimately delivered, um, live birth rates, um, as well as rates of prematurity. And you know, I can tell you what we found is that sure. it, fortunately for our patients who are overweight and obese, it actually looked like their overall um, success rates with IVF we're not dramatically different. So fertilization rates across the board were, were pretty much the same. Um, blastocyst uh, formation rates also, interestingly, appeared to be, you know, like one percentage point higher even in <laughs> overweight or, or obese patients, which we were not um, expecting to see. But, you know, that being said, we're talking, you know, like 56, 57% versus a 55%. So the, the difference being pretty somewhat negligible. Right. Um, and then, you know, the, the birth weights not being um, overall dramatically different. However, that being said, patients who um, were obese by, uh, by BMI as well as percentage body fat, there was a slightly increased um, incidence of preterm delivery. Um, and of course, in those patients, you know, very low birth weight. And so, you know, I, but again, fairly low incidence, we're talking 4% versus 1.5% um, in normal weight patients. And I think that really points to the risk of, you know, if you are um, quite obese, you're also at risk of 
other obesity um, related poor obstetric outcomes. So you're at an increased risk for pregnancy induced hypertension, you're at an increased risk of uh, fetal growth restriction, increased risk of uh, gestational diabetes. All of these things, A, put you at a higher risk of preterm delivery in and of itself, but also, um, you know, may cause uh, your obstetrician to want to induce you deliver earlier, either for maternal indications or fetal indications. So, you know, I think what we found in this study is that our, our patients who are overweight and obese should feel reassured that at least in, in our program, um, that they have every shot at success that a normal weight patient would, which is great. Um, so they can go into this process confidently. However, that being said, we're we're still encouraging patients to try and attain a healthy lifestyle and healthy goal weight. Um, you know, not so much as it uh, uh, pertains to their success with infertility treatment, but as it pertains to their own health as well as um, their obstetric uh, health down the road when they ultimately um, get pregnant and deliver. Right. I, I think, I mean, I was kind of hoping for this follow-up study when I read the original study because it mm -hmm. kind of stopped at gametogenesis and I was like, uh -huh. okay, so what happens? <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's, I'm glad, I'm glad you shared that with us. Um, but I think like you're saying, at, at some point it becomes kind of hard to tease out what what of the how much of the effect of obesity comes during the conception or the IVF process, and how much comes during the the obstetric part of things and during the during the actual pregnancy, of course. Right. And actually, to your point, you know, one of the things um, that we found as we were kind of looking back at the literature and how our data kind of stacked up against what was previously published was that there was actually a really big um, SART study published a few years back, and that demonstrated that kind of the more obese or overweight you get, the worse your IVF outcomes are. So, you know, they even said like overweight patients have worse outcomes compared to normal weight patients and obese patients have worse uh, outcomes compared to overweight and normal weight patients. Mm -hmm. And uh, they found that A, you know, live birth rates were decreased and that B, um, miscarriage rates were increased. We did not find that. Um, and the big difference there, I think, to, to underscore is that that study primarily looked at fresh um, IVF cycles. In our study, um, I think it was, it was like 94, 96% of our cycles were frozen um, embryo transfers. And that is something I think that, um, you know, patients need to understand that there, you know, perhaps are certain elements of IVF that may um, confer different risk, you know, scores. Um, we know historically that fresh IVF transfers are associated with lower birth weights compared to frozen embryo transfers. So I think it, it definitely, when you're interpreting a lot of the data that's out there, it's important to know kind of how your own practice um, kind of uh you know, does IVF and, and how that relates to, to the literature that has been published. Right. It's definitely important to make sure that you can, you can apply their population to yours, of course. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Kim, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been a great review of the effects of obesity and IVF. And thank you for also sharing your latest submission in uh, exclusively with us. That's been great. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Will we have you back sometime? I hope so. <laughs> sure thing. Have a good one. Thanks. You too.
This has been another episode of FertiliPod by EVRMA. Thank you so much for listening. Tune in next week for more research and topic discussions on all things reproductive medicine. See you next week. Thank you.